Welcome to the First World Philippines Podcast. This is episode number 70 with the Filipino motivational speaker, Lloyd Luna. And I am very privileged and honored to present to you the Filipino motivational speaker. So not only did I get the chance to interview Lloyd Luna, but I also got the opportunity to see him in action and inspire and entertain an audience. It was, it was fantastic. It really words like authentic, real, from the heart. Um, this guy certainly is not boring. And it, there's a reason why he is one of the most sought after speakers in the country. And he really has a way of engaging the audience, in particular the youth, the audience that I got to observe. So I'm grateful that Lloyd got a chance to sit down to us. He's also a very successful author, 11 books. Uh, he's been doing this for some time in the area of helping people grow to their potential. Oh, over a thousand audiences. Imagine that, over a thousand different appearances this man has made on the stage to inspire and empower people. A fantastic story, an amazing person. And, and yeah, without further ado, the one, the only, the Filipino motivational speaker, Mr. Lloyd Luna. Enjoy, guys. Thank you so much, Lloyd for allowing me into your office, allowing me to uh, meet your team, and of course, your beautiful daughter, Sky. Yeah, I also thought she's beautiful. Yes, so. congratulations there, one of your best decisions. One of the best, yeah, uh, one of the best decisions and one of the most beautiful output <laughs> I've ever created. So I never I never thought uh, I would have a, an uh, offspring as beautiful as she is. Beautiful. You've been a man who is almost dedicate, well, you have dedicated your life to inspiring others yeah. and inspiring and empowering them to, to make better decisions. Is there a verse, a quote, an a phrase that you live by that's, um, that throughout all those years that you've always gone back to as a foundation for what you do today? Um, yes, and uh, it would be this. Life's reward seldom exceed your personal development. So it only means that, you know, you cannot be as successful if you are not personally developed, uh, holistically personally developed. So what we're going to get will mainly depend on what we can improve on, uh, personal development. So that has been my, the, the core of my teaching, personal development. You cannot get more than, uh, more than what you can develop. So... Everything else will depend on that. So personal development. Wow. So there's, there's actually there's a couple of sides. You wear a lot of hats, Lloyd. And yeah. you're sharing me about... And I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about your speaking as your mm -hmm. professional speaker. And of course, you're a serial entrepreneur. Not just a one-off yeah. entrepreneur, but many, many businesses. Yeah. Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, yes. Don't mistake that with killer because there are some serial killer. A serial killer. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> so the serial entrepreneur, yes. Serial killer of a good kind. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a hat on serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, serial entrepreneur. 
So what I want to ask about the best advice you received um, in your entrepreneurial adventures. This, on the purpose of this podcast, there is a lot of entrepreneurs listening, a lot of wannabe entrepreneurs, a lot of entrepreneurs are struggling. So what is it advice that is given to you as you set up oh, yeah. businesses uh, that yeah. has and really this, stuck with you? This has become my, 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 this has become so personal to me. Uh, when my mentor told me that uh, the best thing, uh, sorry, my mentor told me that the best time to believe in yourself is when nobody else believes in you. So I and I took that advice so personally because when I started, nobody believed in in me. Nobody believed in what I can do. Nobody believed that I can write books. Nobody believed that I can start a business because uh, I didn't have any business background when I started, and nobody in the family would even be uh, a business uh, person. So it was me, uh, the first person in the entire family. Uh, to start my own business, and when when you are coming from a state university, that's even more difficult because you are not so connected with the business people really. Yeah. So state university here in the Philippines, kind of you know, if you don't have so much money, you probably would like to go to state university because you cannot afford a private education. Yeah. So when I started, and that what that has become my my mantra, uh, one of my mantras. The best time to believe in yourself is when nobody else believes in you. Mm. This, is, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> how have you, if I were to break this down, how have you, what methods have you used? And let's say someone whose self-belief is pretty low right now. And what techniques, approaches to self-belief has worked for you? Um, is there really a technique? Um, I don't know if, this can apply, but it came from another advice. Uh, my mentor told me that um, I will have to move on with my life working rather than expecting. And he said, I cannot move on with my life really expecting. If I want to succeed, I should move on with my life working. And there is no one strategy that works. Some strategies failed. Uh, I tried uh, reading, for example, reading one book uh, the entire day, and didn't. Most of the teachings didn't sink in. Mm -hmm. So you cannot. I, there is no one size fits all strategy, I guess. So I think my strategy, <laughs> which is very ironic, because there is no strategy, but there is a strategy. Uh, I just had to find my my rhythm, um, what works well. I don't fabricate things. I, I don't. I don't make it like. I don't box myself in. Mm. I just try to uh, get a feel of what I can do, and then probably do it. And if I feel like uh, I'm tired, I, I move on and do another thing. Probably go back. So there's no. There's no such thing as you know. I will. I started this, and therefore I will finish this in this particular time uh, and day. And month. So I, I just have to find my rhythm. Mm. If I don't feel like working, I will not work. But that seldom happens because there's always so many, there's, there's just so much, so many things to do. Mm. But I, there's probably one key. I mean, if you are a startup entrepreneur, you're a seasoned entrepreneur, 
probably it's, it's very common. You will have to find your rhythm. Yeah. You will have to have uh, the mood to do it. And I think employees don't have so much options. Uh, if you're an employee, you will have to finish the work. Mm-hmm. But as an entrepreneur, I, that's what I, I, I would like people to realize. They will have to find their rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will have to distract themselves if they are, uh, like for example, they are bored in the last 30 days. They will have to distract it. Yeah. If they are working so hard the last, in the last 30 days, distract it. Mm-hmm. Probably you want, want to take some break, some mm-hmm. time off. Because battery gets drained. Mm-hmm. So are people. So... As your journey as an entrepreneur to today, maybe, and this is an open question, I'll let, I'll let you focus on any aspect of your life here, but in terms of change, because you're a man that significantly influences change in this country, especially personal change in audiences that see you speak and read your books, what has been the best change that you've made, whether in terms of business or personal change, to, to get you to this level of success? Probably, I... I said no to hypocrisy. Mm. I, I said no to that. I, I cannot be somebody else. I, I, I always believe that I should, be, I should be there and tell the truth and speak about it. So I am not going to tell you the things that I don't believe in just for me to patronize you or the audience or the client. I am not going to uh, lie. I said no to skepticism. Mm. I think uh, skeptics should not have any room uh, uh, in this world. Well, they can create their own room, but I, I don't believe in skeptic in skepticism because it destroys. It destroys the the, the hope. Uh, it destroys. Uh, Development, mm-hmm. it destroys commitment. Everything is destroyed if you no longer uh, believe. Mm-hmm. But I find some value in it because you can see contrast uh, skeptics against uh, non-skeptics. Mm-hmm. So they play some role, uh, but I don't want... But if there is an opportunity for them mm-hmm. to go to the other side, I would encourage them to do that because there's just no, not much reward when you're a skeptic. Uh, unfortunately, some people believe skeptics, mm. and that's another thing. So if I if I am if I were to give an advice, probably you know, avoid as many skeptics as you can. Let's think of a young entrepreneur okay. who's listening to this podcast. Like how young? In their twenties. Twenties. Yeah. In their twenties. Pretty young. Or, yeah. Or early thirties. They're looking to set up their own business. However, their biggest critics or skeptics come from within their own family. Okay. Um, how, what advice would you give them on how to manage that skepticism when especially it comes from a loved one? Ah, I think number one is, uh, number one, number two, and number three is negotiation. Mm. They will have to learn negotiation skills. Mm. They will have to learn communication skills. How do they communicate? I cannot tell them exactly what to do because I don't have any idea about the dynamics of their family uh, how their parents think and how they would react to a certain situation. But I think what I can tell them is, you know, find your own unique way to negotiate and to communicate well whatever it is you want to do. 
and I will take it from my personal experience. I did not, I did not take a course in college that I really wanted because my family were was kind of skeptics about me uh, taking journalism because they all said that there's no really money in writing, and they said, "Wow, that's sad," <laughs> and I believe them because if you are young, you would want to depend more on the wisdom of the older people uh, without without the initiative of uh, really learning and validating whatever advice they would give you. you just, you're just so open. When you're young, you're, you're just so open. You believe so many things. Um, and because probably that's the nature of uh, uh, everyone, we, we believe. Uh, we believe in, in, in those advice, pieces of advice. So, and I did not. I didn't uh, take my dream course. But I had to negotiate. I, I had to tell them, I cannot be successful in a thing that is not in me. And I took engineering degree. And I said to myself, I cannot be the best engineer. And if I cannot be the best engineer, who wants to get someone who is not the best? People would always find someone who is best at uh, what he does. So I cannot be the best. So it, it, uh, it occurred to me that I can, if I cannot be the best, I would rather not do it. But I do it. I, I finished it. And uh, the story was like, the, on, the deal was only to finish engineering. <laughs> the, the deal was to finish it. And I finished it. <laughs> so now it's my time. The, 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 the contract expired after finishing the course. <laughs> Uh, we laughed, and uh, now that I have written uh, uh, eleven books, I now I'm now on as a motivational speaker and things like this. You know, eventually the the family became so happy about what I do. I, I think every family, every parent would be happy if you are so fulfilled and so happy in what you do. So you just have to go through that negotiation process in order for you just communicate exactly what you have in your heart. I want to ask a couple of questions on OFWs. Yeah. Now we have you, one day to do this, so yeah. as many questions <laughs> as you can. Now, you have been described as the OFW that never left. And we have a lot of OFWs, very proud to say, a lot of yeah. OFWs that are listening to this podcast. And what I want to give two messages. I want to give you the opportunity to give two messages. The OFWs that are listening to this about and the, people, the Filipinos, especially the young Filipinos that are considering becoming OFWs, are considering, for one or better term, giving up on this country and moving abroad. What, first of all, what message do you have to those OFWs who dream of potentially coming home? Well, my first advice would be stay where they are. Stay where you are. You cannot leave yet because the contract is still on. <laughs> so stay where you are. My sisters, two of them, are OFWs. Yeah. One is working in Australia and another one is working in Dubai. I hope I'm not mistaken. Yes, in Dubai. And it's by choice that they left the country and work there, overseas. Yeah. Did I even ask them why they have to leave? And no, I didn't because obviously 
our country does not provide opportunities for them to stay. So they are actually giving Filipinos reason to leave, not the reason to stay. And that is sad because we are we should be expecting our government to you know keep the best people in the country because that's what we need. We don't want we are now the number one exporters of talents, and the best of the best leave the country and make other nation nations really uh, greater, richer. Um, so I think uh, if they want to, if they want, and, and this is for, for the OFWs who want to get back to this country, I think the advice would be learn as many things as you can while still in other countries. Uh, learn the ropes, uh, learn the, the, how the business is done, learn the culture, uh, take as many wisdom as you can, uh, save as much money as you can, probably put some investments uh, in some uh, financial instruments and then go back here and start your own and make the wisdom count. People who are forced, who went outside by force, they feel that they need to do it. Yes, I think I will encourage them to do it because of the need. But to encourage them to live their lives because they need, that would be... That, for me, that would be wrong. If you're going to go out for a certain need, have a timeline. Until when will you support the need? Because you cannot live your entire life for the need. You need to live for the rest of your life because you love what you're doing, not because you need what you're doing. If they need to go out because they, they, they have uh, some family members to support, then go out. But it should not, it, there should be a timeline. After gra graduation uh, uh, of your kids, you would probably uh, need to be ready to be back and spend your, the rest of your life with them. So I, I, I don't tell them not to go out if there is a need. Uh, because obviously, again, the government is not providing us reasons to stay. So yeah, go out, but there, sh there should be a timeline. There should be a deadline. I really like that, the difference between a need and doing it for love. Yeah, so the need and the desire. Yes, yeah. excellent. I, I want to talk about switching to productivity. Okay. Because... Long jump. You're such a young man, actually the same age as me. Oh, forget that age, yes. but the same age as me. Yes, very young. Books. <laughs> 11 books. 11 books. Yeah. Original books. This is, these yes. are not copy, copy-pasted material. Yeah. yeah, which I am starting to read, and I am honored. So mm. I'm. Someone you told me someone stole the book. Yeah, yeah. someone stole the book. After she's after listening now. <laughs> However, and of course, you're speaking a phenomenal amount of productivity, a phenomenal amount of output, um, for someone at such a young age. Can you give? Um, is there a daily productivity habit that you have that others may benefit from hearing? Oh, no. No. Uh, next question. <laughs> <laughs> but how do I stay productive? That would be the question. Yes, that's a better question. How, would you stay, how do you stay in the zone when you're writing the, the re most recent 11th book? Well, the, the thing is, it's not always, it's, it's not 100% that, um, that I am in the zone 
uh, if I'm on a project, like uh, I still have some books that are not finished yet, and I jumped to another project and finished it. So, and I am <laughs> no, no time to go back, and then another book uh, uh, idea comes up, and then finish the book, and you know, the, 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 the previous projects are still unfinished. So I don't know. You cannot do it if you are an employee <laughs> because you know there, there there should be a, there should be an output. But in my case, as an entrepreneur, uh, as my own boss, I can do that. I can do that. But yeah, that's the thing about art. And uh, if you're an, an artist, I think number one, you will have to find the mood. Uh, you cannot paint if you are not in the mood. You cannot compose a, zo- a song or give you a mood, a music, or anything. Just like probably in writing, you cannot force yourself to write. So the challenge is how to find the mood. So I think the key would be find the things that inspire you. And if you get enough inspiration for the day, you would probably want to make a chapter. Mm. And then... Call it a day after 500, 1,000 words. Mm. Call it a day. And then go back to your family and play with your kids and have some dinner with your wife and family and then sleep well. Good night. Kiss them good night. And wake up another day and say good morning. And just find some other things to inspire you Mm. to write the next chapter. So I think it's about finding daily inspiration in little things Mm. like... um, just looking at, at things in a positive perspective. Mm. You know, if you're stuck in a traffic, you would probably want to ask, what can I do in a traffic situation rather than blaming the traffic yeah. uh, for, for your misfortune? So I guess just, you know, find some inspirations. Mm. Uh, it could be music. Uh, they, can probably yeah. want, they would probably want to listen to their favorite music. Um, I don't know, but there are so many forms of inspiration. You just have to find it. So I'm I'll, sorry, I'm giving a very vague advice. No, this is good. I'll ask a specific <laughs> question now. You've nicely set me up for this question. Because the man who inspires hundreds of thousands of people, specific, I won't ask a specific question. Not just who inspires you, but who is Lloyd Luna's hero? Um, my hero. Oh my God, my hero. Somebody will get jealous. <laughs> 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 this is all about difficult questions. Uh, yeah. Well, my hero, my hero would be my wife. Wow. Um, yeah. Although he's the number one villain. <laughs> oh, did it? Did you record it? <laughs> but he's my. She's my. She's my number one hero. Um, she can tell me everything. Uh, she can tell me everything. The things that I don't want to hear. She tells me that, and there's probably one downside of being me uh, being uh, quote uh, influential end quote uh, sometimes people no longer have the courage to tell you mm. exactly what you need to hear, you need to hear yeah. so the wife is there to tell you exactly oh what you need to hear so and that for me is the, the heroism part mm-hmm. the courage to tell you the things that you're probably blind about because, you know, these things are already in your head, in your system. You are uh, well-known and popular. But the wife would step in and say, hey, not good enough. You know, I never won an argument yeah. with her. You never, you had zero. Yes. Zero wins. Yes, zero, <laughs> yeah. 
I'm still trying to figure out how to win, but <laughs> I think there's no such thing. Well, I want to build on this concept of courage because what you do for a living, most people are in absolute awe. How can this man go on stage, not just small audiences here, you, sometimes you've been on stage with tens of thousands of people, and let's talk about the courage. Where do you, and maybe this is not a question for present day Lloyd, okay. who's gone through so many talks, but in those early days, where, what are your sources of courage to master your art? Because you are one of the top, if not the number one street <sighs> in the country. Where do you, how you talk about in the context of courage, how does that play a role in the developments of your skill today? Well, one of the answers, and probably I have, some, I have several answers. Um, one is that um, I, would prob I can probably take it like, um, where do I get my confidence, right? And the courage yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, confidence comes from your mastery yeah. of yourself, of your subject, and of your audience. If you are not a, if you don't have a perfect idea, perfect picture of what you are, and what you can offer, and what you can give on the table, you will not probably find any courage to do it mm. because you don't you you, you don't yeah. know who you are. Number two is if you don't have any mastery of your subject, you will probably not be brave enough to to stand there mm. and share because. You are not the master of the subject. You don't know so much about what you're talking about. Yeah. And you know exactly that you will fail. Yeah. Yeah? And number three is mastery of the audience. Mastery of the people. Um, how they think, what their profiles are, what probably their likes and dislikes are. And everything should have to be in sync. Mm -hmm. And the it, it gives me the courage when I know those things. Uh, myself, my, my presentation, and the people who will who will uh, listen to me. Mm. So that is where I get my confidence and my courage. Mm. Um, and number two, what makes me courageous? Um, you know, I don't know. Um, maybe one of these 5,000 people in the crowd is not doing so well in her life. She's probably waiting for that one statement that would lift her morale to just go back into life. I don't know who the who who those audience would be, but the courage I always think about, you know, one of these people need me. I cannot fail them. Therefore I have to step up and be perform the best that I can do. Be the best that I can be for them. Not not for me to for me to be more popular, for me to 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 be paid more for me to be uh, to to be loved. No, for me to be able to touch them, reach them, and probably give them some some reasons to move on with their lives, mm. wherever they are, mm. however painful experience they 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 feel at the moment, and that gives me courage to to stand up there, mm. and even more the the courage to develop more more skills that I can still develop. Mm because I'm still in the process of development. After 10 years, I can only find myself, you know, I need to develop more. Wow. Because this is what life is, development. Let me, I'm going to run through some on-stage questions that you may have uh, got before, but I'm very curious in terms of your moments on, on that stage. Okay. You've been on so many stages, yes. not just in this country, but uh, across Southeast Asia. Yeah. 
first of all, your most embarrassing moments on stage <gasps> with your clothes on. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, most embarrassing moment. Uh, yeah. The most embarrassing part with that would not that uh, that's, a, that's a very minor thing compared to the most embarrassing um, experience that that I had that I had um, just a couple of years ago, maybe, maybe two years, maybe two years when an organizer asked me to go down the stage because they didn't like what I was talking about on stage. Wow. They didn't get my jokes and they got offended for the things that I said. And it was a prepared speech, but they didn't have the time to check it out before I read it. And that was so embarrassing for me. Mm. Um, so embarrassing. They escorted me, literally, out of the ballroom of the hotel. Mm. And that was another learning experience for me. Yeah. Uh, to go out there, you really have to set expectations right. Mm. Tell them who you are, where you're coming from, what mm. kind of jokes you will do on stage so they don't get offended. And just learn. So th that was, a, that was a, the most embarrassing moment so far. And I cannot forget that night because it taught me lessons that I should have learned earlier. But, you know, every learning has a price, so I pay that price. So I just hope they would bring me in so I can make it up. But, you know, it's their decision. So that's the most embarrassing moment. Thank you for um, having the courage to share that because I think a weakness all of us have, especially men, and I put my hands up here, is yeah. a lack of vulnerability, lack of sharing uh, moments like that where we've, we missed it, where we, we met a mistake. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate that. I think you, with you having the courage of sharing that, a lot of others are going to learn from that. But uh, so some of the uh, embarrassing moments that I, I had in the past, I can actually get away with it because I'm a comedian. Now, the thing is, if you are a serious type of speaker, yeah. uh, you, can, you cannot probably get away from it. Yeah. Well, Especially if you, if you don't yeah. have the ability to respond uh, yeah. correctly in a particular situation. So it, what I'm learning from you here is, it's not necessarily the event itself, it's the response to the event. It is the response of the event. Yeah. Because events will happen. Yeah. Sometimes you will lose your microphone. Sometimes the battery will be drained. So what do you do? Hey! So I, it's, a, it's an improvisation. Yeah. If the sound system is not working, what will you do? Yeah. Will you get angry? Will you shout? What will you do? So I make comedy out of uh, this, uh, these situations. What about the compliments that you received that really meant a lot to you? Um, yeah. Some people hug me. And I said... There's a charge for that, 100 pesos. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, when, I, when I go down the stage uh, yeah. and, and the people start to approach you and take selfies and all, that's the greatest compliment. Because not all speakers would have the opportunity to be welcomed uh, right after your speech. Um, most people would uh, give you a, stand, uh, stand a standing ovation for your, after your talk. And... You know, I, that's the fulfillment side. That's the fulfillment side. Probably the, the, that's always the greatest moment of every moment. Mm. Uh, that after the speech, people appreciate you and they start to, you know, take some photos with you, have the book signed, mm. have the t-shirt signed, have their handkerchiefs signed, have their uh, cell phone casing signed, their guitars, everything that they have, they want me to sign. And I said, 20 pesos for you, sign. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a beautiful response because it goes back to our beginning of the interview where we talk about to do what you love. Yeah. And it is clear to me 
that this is what you're designed to do. Yeah. This is you, this you would not be thyself mm-hmm. if you didn't uh, master the skill and then weren't on stage on a weekly, yeah. daily basis and invaluable to others. So thank you on behalf of exactly. the universe for uh, pursuing. Your wow, passion. really? <laughs> you may want to include the galaxy and the Milky Way. Uh, yeah. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> So we're towards the end, end of the interview. I have two last questions. No way! Come on, let's make this longer. We'll have to have to, we'll have to do a series of okay. to get us all the wisdom from you. Okay, I'll take that. So this, my second last question is this: You have two minute conversation with your twenty year old self. Okay. What advice would you give twenty year old Lloyd? Stay cool. Um, stay cool and do what you thought is right. At the moment. At the moment. I cannot give you an advice uh, because you will not listen to me. You are still 20 years old and I am 33. I have made a lot of mistakes. You're probably halfway. My mistakes. You will not listen to me because you are in a different generation than I am. So just stay cool, relax, and do what you think is right at the moment. But if I were to expound it, if you will allow me, you know, I think the other way of asking the question, um, that question would be, uh, would you have any uh, regrets? Uh, Well, I hope I have, but I don't, uh, because... When I was in my 20, everything, every decision that I made when I was in my 20s, I thought those decisions were right. And that was the best thing I knew doing. Mm. So why will I regret any of it? Mm. At the time, that was the best. Mm. I thought that was the best. So there's no room for any regret. Because at the time you made the decision, it was, you thought, the best at the time. So I cannot go back to my 20-year-old self and say, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Do this, no, later, do that. Because simply, I became the 33-year-old that I am now because of the things that I made since I was 20. And I can just be thankful that, you know, yeah. I, I, I reached this, mm. this, this stage. Wow. So. so my last question is this, and it is, um, this is the podcast for Filipinos here at home and around the world. What is your vision for this country that you dearly love? What is your vision for the Filipino people? A country united. A country... that spreads love, um, a country that cares, a country that cares for the next generation, a country that will care for the people, a country that gives the next generation the opportunity to solve their own challenges. So that is my vision for the old people, 
to not be too greedy and for the old people not to leave us all these messy things and you know the next generation will try to solve because I think every generation should have their own challenges so I hope this this older generation would not leave us so messy country that we're going to fix and they, they, they have done a lot of messy things they have big because the thing is you know the, the older generation always create problems that the younger generation will solve so I hope and I am looking for a country that will not leave the younger generation so many things to solve so many problems to solve because I want the next generation to enjoy more uh, of uh, to enjoy more uh, rather than solving more uh, unless they enjoy solving uh, the problems that was created by problems that were created by the previous generation so yeah I, I don't envision a country that is so so rich but so uh, unloved I am not going to envision a country that is so economically rich but they don't care to each other and all there is is business as usual I want a country that cares I want a country where you know uh, uh, kids can grow uh, well uh, they are loved and they are just united just united so a, a country that is not uh, filled with so many pe hypocrites people and skeptics. Just a country with uh, loving people. I will be okay with that. Fantastic. Yeah. Loy Luna, <laughs> it's a pleasure and honor. Maraming salamat. Maraming salamat. And there you have it, guys, an inspiring interview with the one, the only, Mr. Sir Lloyd Luna. So thank you so much, Lloyd, for making time for our listeners, um, inviting me and my team to observe you speak. A wonderful experience. And I am very grateful to the wisdom that I got a chance to get from Lloyd, and this will provide extraordinary value. If... And only if you make the decision, listeners, to apply. So really want to encourage you to reflect on the one big takeaway from this interview. Um, all the show notes are available. Uh, MikeGrogan.ph forward slash podcast. You'll see the show notes for this episode. We encourage you to rate us on iTunes and share with your friends and colleagues. If you found this episode to be help and inspiration to you, um, and we are so grateful for anyone, for those that do share or write a review on iTunes or Stitcher, because it, it really helps us attract more and more people to the podcast and um, to make this the number one 
success podcast in the Philippines for the Filipino people. This is the number one success podcast. And we want more and more people to take this value that guests, inspiring guests like Lloyd are giving us for free. So bless you all. Thank you so much. And until next time, be safe. Thank you.